The Life Simplified ladies are doing a short survey to improve the podcast, and we'd love to hear your feedback. For a chance to win some UK swag, complete our survey linked in our show notes. Thanks. Welcome back to Life Simplified. We've been getting ready for the holidays and thought this would be the perfect time for a Take Back Tuesday. In our holiday stress episode, we talked about the mental load being heavier around the holidays. So we're throwing it back to our very first episode all about mental load from April. If this is your first time hearing it, we hope you're able to implement these tips for reducing that mental load over the holiday season. And if this is your second or third or even fourth time hearing this episode, we hope you're able to dig a little deeper and find even more tips to implement. Enjoy! Sometimes life is messy. Have you ever wished you could refocus your mind, home, relationships, and work life? Join us as we use research-based information to make practical changes and simplify life. This is Life Simplified. Welcome to Life Simplified. We hope you're having a great start to the new month. Today, our topic is one that's been catching a lot of attention in the mental health world, but it's still a relatively new concept, and that is the concept of mental load. So, okay, ladies, just before we even get into this, I'm interested to hear if you have heard this term, mental load. So I'm going to be honest, I have not heard it before. So I'm hoping to learn a little bit more about it today. And I think maybe once you start talking, I may recognize it. But just the term in general, I haven't heard. Gotcha. I would have to agree. I have not never heard it, but I'm sure we all know what what it technically is. I have heard the term and it is one that I've been following. I follow several different creators on social media and they are parenting creators and with lots of different parenting information and it's a topic that has really been hot and one that I have followed for a little bit now. Okay so we've got kind of a mixed room like heard a little bit of it not heard of it at all well I think I think you're right Amanda and Joni once I explain what this is you're going to know exactly what mental load is you've just probably not ever heard it called um, mental load. So I'll explain how I even got to this topic and I will say I had a day where I was just feeling completely overloaded. And in my family, I'm the keeper of all the things as far as the schedules go, like who's going where, what practice, what game, what event, what family get together, all all of the stuff. I know who's supposed to be where. And so on this particular day, I had a lot of... um, different family members kind of being like, well, what are we doing today? When is this? Did you go get that? Am I supposed to get this? And I was just like, I'm done. Like, I feel completely burnt out on being the go person for everyone and knowing where everyone's supposed to be, but no one knowing where they themselves are supposed to be or what they're supposed to be doing. So I was like, the mental the mental health professional in me said there has to be something to this like this can't just be something i'm experiencing there has to be a term for this so i started doing a little personal research and i found this term mental load 
And so I'll tell you, it's new and there wasn't a ton of research, but there are three research articles that I thought were really helpful. And that's what we'll discuss today. And so I'll tell you, um, I got this information from Cornell University, Ohio State University and the University of Melbourne, like Australia. So um, a little bit of different viewpoints. And we'll talk about kind of what they all found. Um, Some similarities are there and some differences. But basically, what mental load is from these these different resources, um, it's the mental work of keeping a family running. So it's like the mental part of it, um, instead of the actual action. It's invisible project management. Um, And it's the combination of cognitive and emotional household labor. And so those are three kind of different working definitions from these different sources. But I think they all kind of go together. They make sense. So after hearing that, do we relate to mental load? Oh, most definitely. (laughs) Yeah, I think we could all agree that, yes, we do. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, do I need an answer? Do you really need me to answer that question? Yeah, this goes without saying. I was going to say, I think we've talked about that since January in our podcast and didn't realize we was actually talking about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say, um, if you look at the research, it is dominantly... female that does the mental load now with all things there's always exceptions i will say that probably in any uh, relationship though one of the two people carries the bulk of the mental load Um, and in the research it's typically the female that does that but that doesn't mean that that's exclusive so if you're a listener and you're not a female and you say oh no no i identify with mental load absolutely like it can be anyone Um, that's just what what they're seeing for right now but again it's new so we got to dig a little bit deeper but i think there is always somebody in the family that carries that mental load and i think the part that got me was the combination of cognitive and emotional household labor and i think that's the piece like we're thinking about what has to be done but we also do the worrying (laughs) so it's like i'm not just doing it i'm not just making sure it gets done i'm worrying about it behind the scenes um So that's what mental load is. And I think there's like a lot we can dig into with this. Um, But we'll talk a little bit about how mental load operates. And so for one, it's invisible. So it's kind of hard to like quantify it because you can't see it. It's all the work that's being done inside our heads. This is the stuff that we do. Like some some people called it second shift. Um, because it's like, okay, I did work and then I came home and I, and I did dinner and the, the things, and then everyone's asleep in the family and I'm doing my second shift work in my head, but it can happen anytime. So second shift is kind of doesn't really work as, cause it's all encompassing. It's all the time. Um, so it's invisible. It's boundaryless. Because, you know, we go to work, we come home from work, there's a boundary there. We go home, and then we go to work, there's a boundary. There's boundaries in every other area of our life. But with mental load, there is no boundary. And it's enduring. So it doesn't end. And I think that's why we can get to the point with mental load that we feel so overwhelmed. Because there's not clear boundaries. Um, There's not a 
clear limit like okay I completed that it's done it's never completed like it it never ends um, and no one sees it so a lot of times we're not getting a high five for our mental load work okay so when we're doing that invisible work or that worry work no one's like way to go for worrying for our family so thinking about those things just I wonder what some of your thoughts are because to me I was like mind blown like this is we've been doing this forever but we didn't know what it was I think we're all mind blown it seems <laughs> like yeah I definitely resonate with it and I never really thought about it but it is an interesting topic or concept to to break down and really look at I think it's funny because we all as we're talking about this and you're describing it we're all looking at each other just kind of like nodding and laughing and thinking yes that is that is what I experience. And a, a week ago, I was trying to think about all the things that needed to happen for the day, not only at work, but then what happens after work. This is first thing. I mean, I've been up for a minute because I take my alone time in the morning. So I had been up for a while. And then now I'm ready to discuss the day. I automatically am like, okay, so you've got work today. I've got work today. There's no way I'm going to get out early. I'm actually going to have to stay a little late. Can you meet me and we'll have dinner and then we go to a, a group on this this particular evening. And I said, can you meet me for dinner? We'll do this. But then I also need you to take my our daughter's clothes here so that she can change. And can you take care of that? And he looks at me and he said, what are you talking about? And I said, well, this afternoon after after work. And he said, I'm thinking about getting to work right now. <laughs> I just woke up. I haven't had coffee yet. And, you know, and I just, do the same I just thing. laughed because I thought, yes, yes, you are. You are thinking about that. And I've been up for a little bit longer. So that was my fault for just springing it on him. But it just made me laugh because I thought, yes, you are thinking about work. <laughs> And he doesn't carry the mental load at the house. So he's like, what are you talking about? Like, it is, it's 6 a.m. I'm just trying to wake up. Like, I'm not even knowing what I'm wearing to work today. And you're talking about what we're going to do tonight. Yeah. I think it's funny because you can see the differences in how our brain processes the day mm-hmm. and this idea of mental load and what we do with it. Um, so that is that's funny. I think we can all kind of relate to that in one way or another. You know, as we've talked about before, we are all in different stages of life, you know, where y'all have littles and I don't, mine are all, but I still do the same thing. Mm -hmm. I'm still, you know, okay, I got to do this. They got to be here, you know. So I I think it doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. I think we still carry that mental load, just maybe in a different way. So. Yes, absolutely. I'm so glad you said that because when I was doing the research, um, you know, this idea of it operates as an enduring thing that we do. It doesn't end. And one of the examples that one of the articles gives is like, this is why when you go to your grandmother's house, she's like, you better put your jacket on. You're going to catch a cold because she's still doing the worry work. She's still doing the mental load work because that's always in the back of, of your head. Like, OK, I've, I've got to worry about all the people so that they'll be okay and it's like we've assigned this job to ourselves like I'm supposed to be the caretaker of all the things for all the people and if I don't we're all gonna fall apart and so in a lot of ways 
I would say we put the mental load on ourselves. Like we put it on like a badge of honor. Like I'm going to carry this. All the people are going to be all right because of me and all of this worry work I'm doing while they're sleeping and having a good time. You know, they also, you know, we think, okay, if we don't do it, then they're not going to do it and it's, they're not going to succeed, which is not true. But mm-hmm. we put that on ourselves that we feel that way. Yeah, we do worry work because of our fear, right? Like we want everyone to be okay and to to be the best they can be and ha- to have the best experiences. So we do all of those behind the scenes things because we love them. But then we have to be careful And we'll talk about it here in a little bit, some of the effects of our worry work, but it can cause resentments. And we'll dig deeper into that. But when we kind of take this on and and we think, well, no one thanked me. Well, it's invisible. They didn't know you spent six hours yesterday fretting over everything that was going to happen. So they didn't know to be like, thanks, mom, for worrying all day. (laughs) Like, that's great. (laughs) (laughs) No one's going to do that. And they're a kid. So... Mm -hmm. They're used to people taking care of them all the time. So they're not yeah. going to they're not going to constantly thank you for the things that you do that they right. don't know that the, that you do. Yeah, that's about like one of my sons. I mean, he's older. He's a young adult now, but he's like, "Mom, I am an adult. You don't have to worry about that." You know, but still in the back of my head, it's like, "Okay, I need to take care of this cuz he's not going to." But I have to let him do it because he is an adult. Yeah. So, it's hard. Yeah, well, and we do it, so we do that for our kids, but we do it for our spouse also. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. I have to worry about them, because if I, <laughs> if I don't take care of this, they might not know this thing. They're a grown-up. If I wasn't here, they'd probably survive just fine, but, you know, we don't, we don't, that doesn't resonate always for us. Sometimes we need to give them credit for things that they've done, too, so. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we, we do sometimes think that we know best. And the reality is, is they are just fine. They, they know how to take care of themselves and us and our children. So we just have to, to let that play out sometimes. So you said that we take this on ourselves and we do this. And I hope that we're going to talk about some ways to stop doing this. I was going to say, can we shut this off? Is there a switch yeah. or something we can? How do I not do this? Yes, we definitely have that in there. But before we get there, there's so many other things I want to. Oh, no. There's so much to dig into. So we've talked about what it is and we all kind of went, oh, aha. Yeah, I know what this is. I've been doing this. And I didn't even know what it was called. And then we kind of talked about how it operates, the invisible, the boundarylessness, the enduringness of it. But then also in my studying, there's we found that there's a little bit of a mental load process and they broke it down into four steps and it it makes sense. So the four steps are anticipate, identify, decide and monitor. And I'll kind of explain what that means. Um, and, And in the research, it says that the anticipate and the monitor are typically done by the female again. There's always exceptions to this rule, but that's what the research is telling us. And then the desired step is usually equally done um, by males and females. Like there's not really a a distinguishing there. Um, And identify, they didn't really tell us. But I think I feel like identify and anticipate go together. So I'll explain this. So the idea of anticipating is that we anticipate that something needs to be done, like there's a decision or an action that needs to be made. And one of the examples they gave is, let's say your child is getting ready to start school. It's about time for them to, to go into kindergarten. And so you anticipate, OK, it's, it's about time for that. I need to start doing some research about the local schools and what this looks like and the steps I need to take. And so you anticipate that. 
And that's that's typically done by the female. Then you start identifying. And identifying is the actual research. And you're probably going to ask your friends who already have kids in school. And you might go tour the school. And you might go get the information about it. You're getting all this. You're, you're kind of doing your background research. Then we get to decide. And that is basically where you go to your partner and you say, okay, um, this is coming. I've done this research. Let me show you what I've found out. And then together you decide how do you want to move forward? What do we need to do? What decision needs to be made? And then you monitor it. Okay, and that's where you're like, all right, did the paperwork get turned in? Did we buy all the supplies for the first day? Do we have our outfit ready to go? All of the things. And so that's also typically done by the female. And so this is kind of that process. So the mental load of the anticipating it, the researching it, and then the making sure it's getting done is is what it appears that we're really holding on to in the mental load process. And we're only kind of letting go of the deciding portion so I thought that was really interesting I I am by just my nature a researcher and I will research things for days and then you know share with the husband the things I found whether it's researching the vacation and all the things we can do there or if it is a school thing or an extracurricular activity or, or whatever I mean it could be down to like I researched this new cleaner that I think would be great let me tell you all the things about it which is nonsense because he doesn't care about all the things <laughs> he's like if it cleans and you think it works great do your thing but but that's where I see my part in this so I just wonder for you all like hearing those steps does it like spark any thoughts for you or I don't know there's just a lot to it I think hearing those steps is really helpful to then and I know we're going to get to this so I'm not trying to jump ahead but I think hearing those steps is really helpful to then be able to talk about those steps Mm -hmm. because you may be trying to have the conversation of I feel overwhelmed uh, I need help I, I want to I, w- I need to do this this and this and I feel like I need to do this this and this but I can't do this this and this so I think just knowing these steps those behind the scenes to say I'm thinking about this ahead of time and I need someone else to think about this ahead of time mm-hmm. or ha- figuring out a way to divide it yeah you yes. know like the different steps or just the monitoring process is kind of what I think about too because a lot of times um, we talked about delegating and things like that and then sometimes our brain is in the worry mode you know Mm -hmm. if you ask like hey do you care to take care of this and then maybe and I've done it I know I'm guilty of it um, did you take care of this is it done yet is and then you're Mm -hmm. just like constantly thinking about it and it probably causes issues sometimes you know and that could be Uh, at work also you know it could be anywhere that we do that yeah it's because you're saying okay let's let's delegate this because i'm overwhelmed but then i'm gonna monitor you so i'm still doing the thing yeah or still worried about (laughs) it even though you don't maybe not mention it Mm -hmm. you're still in your mind like i wonder if that's taken care of i wonder you know Mm -hmm. thinking about it like you can't let it go and Mm -hmm. and we will discuss that like i love that y'all brought that up because that's going to come back around but yeah we're not good at getting out of the way like take this and let me move and let you do your thing and let go of it and i feel like i that i need to do it Mm-hmm. I need to anticipate. I need to be thinking ahead. And I don't know if that is a personality trait that I have. I don't know if that is a 
it's a new trait. No, it's not a new trait. <laughs> it's not new. It's not new. Even though I'm fairly new, I, get, I don't know how long can I say that I'm new to this parenting role. I'm not sure, but you're not new. I'm anymore. not new. Anymore. <laughs> okay, so I can't I can't claim newness anymore. But I don't know if it's you know I feel like I'm constantly trying to catch up because of my role, or if it is this is just the way that I've always been. I just now I'm noticing it more. And that could be it, too, because it it is new to your your personality and everything like that. But as women and as mothers, you know, we take it to a different level of everything, too. So I think it's interesting, Ashley, when you said that you, you feel like you need to anticipate, you need to do these things. And when we think about worry work, so like the therapist in me knows that our worry is about fear, right? And so we worry because we're afraid. And one of the things that we do, one of our coping skills that we naturally do to lessen our worry or our fear is we control. And I think this worry work in this mental load is about control. And so we have this illusion that even though it stresses us out, but if I can control it, I can lessen that that fear. And so I take it on even if I know it's not useful for me all of the time. And I think that control has such a negative context that I don't want I don't want to say yes I feel like I need to control everything because that sounds so negative even though I don't mean it negative Mm -hmm. I mean I don't want to control every single thing that my family does just want to control that thing I think that we get the word control and manipulate confused and so we're afraid to say we want to control things because we don't want people to think that we're trying to be a puppet master like I'm trying to manipulate you to do things the way I want it to be it's just that that sense of like if I do it, then I know it's done and I don't have to, to worry about it, but I do anyways. So, right. so I'm doing it and I'm worrying about it. I'm doing double, double work here. So I think that that's interesting. But so like that's a mental load process and it makes sense that anticipate, identify, decide, monitor. And I do think that like we pointed out, now that we know the steps, we can kind of we can pull in people and say, okay, let's divide this more evenly instead of us taking it on ourselves and saying I'm going to do three out of the four steps and then I'll, I'll pull you in for one step no let's let's figure out how this works in a better way so that we're sharing the mental load so that we're sharing this process another thing is with that you know you're talking about you know delegating to other people when you delegate let them do it the way that they think that they knew it instead yes. of trying to change it and that's really hard sometimes because you know we as mothers and women we think it's a certain way but when we delegate to somebody else we still feel that they need to do it our way and that's not always the the right way we need to let them mm-hmm. be able to do it the way that they need it need yeah. to do it i feel like Joni's smacking my hand right now <laughs> <laughs> oh no girl no i'm talking to myself over here <laughs> i think we all identify you know and that that is that stepping back from control and saying okay like i don't want to have the burden of all the things but if i'm giving it to someone else i have to let them take it and, and me not dictate how that's supposed to be and how that's supposed to look when they take it So we've kind of talked about what it is and how it operates and what the process is. And I think along the way, we've discussed that this has not been a super positive thing for the most part. I mean, I think there may be some positive aspects to the things that we do around mental load. But overall, 
we've had a lot of like we've used the words overwhelmed and stressed and frustrated and all of those kind of things. Resentment, I think, has come up. So we know that there are effects of carrying the mental load burden, especially when we try to do it by ourselves. And so I'm going to quickly kind of go over those effects. And then I want us to discuss how do you see this in your life? How do you see if you are carrying a, a bulk of the mental load burden, where do you see it, it affecting you? And so we know that there are physical effects um, because worry work is typically prioritized over our self-care. And so if I'm spending all my time on my mental load and my worrying about everything else, I'm probably not spending that time on self-care and taking care of me. And we know how important that is because we we did an entire podcast on self-care and it comes up over and over again. And so physically, I'm not taking care of me. Emotionally, worry work can lead to anger, resentment, frustration, loneliness, all of those things that have kind of come up in our conversation already, we know that this emotionally affects us carrying this. Um, And I think sometimes we have a hard time realizing like we're putting this emotional anger and resentment on ourselves because I don't know that anyone assigned us to carry the mental load in our family, but we do. And then we have these emotional negative aspects from taking that on ourselves. There are social effects. So worry work leaves less time for relationships, hobbies, and fun stuff. You know, like we're, we're taking all this time doing these mental tasks, and we're not able to actually be present with the people in our life and the activities in our life that we enjoy. So even if I am at dinner with my spouse, or I am having a family night, if I'm allowing the mental load in this worry work to consume me and consume my thoughts, I'm not actually present for them. And so my my physical self might be there, but I'm absent. And so that will hurt my relationships over time. And it will keep me away from those activities in my life that are valuable and, and healthy and fun. So there's definitely social effects occupational effects. So our worry work is like having a second job. So it's, it's something we carry with us all the time. Um, and it can negatively affect our performance at our full-time job. Because if I am constantly in my worry work and <laughs> my second shift job um, while I'm at my current job, that can keep me from doing things I need to do to move forward, to be successful, to maybe get a promotion, to have new ideas there and be able to be successful and part of a group there. And so it, it holds me back and I can become stagnant there. So we've seen those all four areas of our life, physical, emotional, social, occupational. We have negative effects from carrying the, the burden of the mental load. So when you hear those, which of those or all of those do you identify with the mental load affecting for you? I can say that probably all of them are affected in some way. But when you were talking about that, the social one jumped out to me. Because I'm so tired, I don't feel like I'm fun anymore. And I was I was fun mm-hmm. several years ago. And I, I've told my husband numerous times, I can be fun at work. I, I do a lot of preschool age programs. And that's what I'm focusing on for that hour. I am there with those kids and I'm playing and I am helping them do this and that. And I'm there and I'm fun. And I, then I go home and I said, I, I, can't, I can't be fun. I'm not fun. I'm not fun with my own kid. And I don't know what to do. 
And so I think that is the one that really jumps out to me. And of course, he reassures me that, yes, you are fun and you do all of these other things. And while you're at work playing with those children, that is your job. And that's all you have to think about. You're not thinking about this and this and this for those children. Someone else is thinking about that. Yeah, I agree. I think all of them to some extent, but the social really hit me and uh, I think it's more of like uh, Tiffany was talking about being social in those moments of like when you do designate time or you're at an event with your family and and friends, but you're worried about what's happening or you're worried about when you get home. Like, mm-hmm. is it dinner time? Is it bath time? Bed? Like what things need to be done? And that's that's where it hits me, I think, is a social part. I'll have to agree. They all hit me, but that social part is one of the ones that I struggle the most with. Mm -hmm. Just after you explained it, it's like, yeah, I mean, I'm like the other two ladies. It just it kind of relates to all of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think so. I I identify with the social effects, but I think for me, when I really look at them, the emotional and the social effects kind of go hand in hand. And so I notice that when I let the emotional effects, the anger, the resentment, the frustration get to me, then it affects me socially because then I'm short with my spouse and my kids. And, you know, they when they ask a simple question, I'm like, why are you asking me that? You've already asked me 15 times. Why do you not look at the schedule for your, you know, and I let the anger out and then that hurts them. And I'm not really mad at them i am just gotten myself to the point where i'm overwhelmed and i haven't asked for help and that's on me to stop and take a time out and ask for that help because no one said you have to do all the things i made that choice and so i need to take a step back and take a time out hey wait just a minute have you been in my house like <laughs> listening you got a recording or something because boy you just hit the nail on the head <laughs> Definitely. And leave it to Tiffany to go deeper than the social (laughs) and be like, but is it really social or is it that emotion behind the social? I I promise. I think she's been listening to my conversations at home. But I think that rings true to what we're talking about. And I feel like there's probably other people and um, hopefully the people that are listening are kind of resonating and recognizing this as well as like, oh, yeah, you know what? That's what that's what the problem is. Or Mm -hmm. that's that's what I'm dealing with, I Mm -hmm. guess I should say so. And I think that's why we have such an aha moment around this term and and what we've been discussing, because we've all felt it and we've all done it. And sometimes it's nice to just be able to like, all right, let me identify what this is and and why I'm doing this. And then we can say, okay, we've all done it. We've all been there. We've experienced it. So then what do we do about it? Okay, and that's it's not always an easy fix. You know, these are um, routines that we've established and kind of unspoken things that we've put into place. And so because it's invisible and because it's enduring and boundaryless, it can be really hard to rein it in. Um, but in, in the research, there are some ideas of ways that we can rein it in. And I'm going to kind of read through these possible ways to lessen mental load for my research. And then there's a few that I want to dig a little bit deeper with. And I would also like to kind of hear from you which ones you all think would be helpful for you. Because everybody's different. And some of these things may sound great to one person. It might sound absolutely like, no, that's not going to work for me. That, that doesn't fit for my family. So 
there's several on here um and this first one we have discussed already today a little bit and i think we'll dig a little bit deeper in a second but clearly and specifically divide household duties then get out of each other's way and i think that's the key and we've mentioned it on here already probably at least once i think twice maybe three times um but that that's the problem that we have is we can divide things um, and, and pretty specifically divide them. But then we don't do a great job of getting out of the way. Um, we say, here, take this. And then we take it back 15 times or we tell you, oh, nope, you did it the wrong way. So I'll just do it. Move over. And so we got to get better about just, all right, this is yours. This is mine. Let me move out of your way. You move out of mine. And even if we don't do it exactly the way we think it should be done, it got done and I didn't have to do it or worry about it. So another thing that is mentioned is make it more visible by quantifying it. And so remember, it's invisible, but, you know, making it known. Sometimes we just need awareness that something is an issue. And so um, an example I can give of this is gosh I think it was just yesterday or earlier this weekend I I told my husband I was like I'm just so tired of keeping up with everyone's schedule and like four times a day I get asked who's supposed to be where and do we have this practice tonight and who's doing this and he said well don't you remember back you know a couple years ago in our laundry room you had a board up and it and it had just the week and you would put all the things on there and he was like you know since we've moved, we've not really had that. And maybe we need to go back to that because then you can write it on there and we can look at it. And he was like, I can take a picture of it and have it on my phone so I can just pull it up when I'm not sure about something. And I thought, well, that's such a simple fix. And if I had just sat there and stayed resentful and just been like, oh, everybody just asked me all these questions about their schedules and not just brought awareness to it and told him I'm feeling overwhelmed by keeping up with everyone's schedule then we wouldn't have found what is a pretty simple fix. And not it may not solve all the problems, but at least he knows that I'm concerned and he's giving me like a viable option for us to work together to try and, and solve this. Um, and so it works because I get to feel heard and he gets to understand there's an issue and then we can work together for a solution. So making it more visible can be helpful in solving the problem. Also, and that leads to the next one, actually, I think they pretty much go hand in hand, is acknowledging the toll it takes. You know, acknowledge for yourself that doing um, all of this worry work and taking the burden of this mental load, it takes a huge toll on us. Um, All of those things we just talked about, emotions, social, physical work, like it's taking a toll on us in every aspect of our life. And so I think we have to use that to weigh whether, okay, my need to lessen my fear by controlling versus how exhausted I am and the toll that's taken on me. Is is it worth it? And how can I begin to let go um, for my own good and the good of my family and my social relationships and all those other things that we already discussed earlier? Helping families better reconcile work and family demands, which I think is huge, but I also think that's one of those things that's much bigger than us. That's not something that we can like go out tomorrow and solve. I think that's more of like a, a, a bigger, broader community concern, but it's something to be aware about and things that people can start discussing more and digging deeper. How can we do that? How can we do that work family demand balance, you know, that work-life balance we've talked about numerous times in here. How can we help as a community for everyone to do that and take off some of this mental load burden? 
This next one is super key, and I, and I hope we'll dig a little bit deeper. But instead of pointing fingers at our partner, practice communicating openly and respectfully about our concerns. So remember, there's a lot of emotion with this. And when we get to the point where the anger and frustration has turned to resentment, we can kind of become enemies of the people in our own household because we've taken on the mental load burden. But that doesn't solve any issues. Um, That's misplaced. And so instead of doing that, instead of the finger pointing, you know, communication is key and respectfully saying like, this is this is what's going on for me, help me, you know, having that come together. And let's let's come to a solution that works for everyone. And then the last one, again, it, it's we've kind of mentioned it, but let go of perfectionism. I think a lot of times we we worry and we control and we mental load ourselves out of the need to feel perfect. And I think some of that stems back to we get inundated with pictures of perfection on the news and on the internet and social media outlets. And again, we are comparing our worst to the best because no one is really truly putting their worst out there. Now, sometimes we pretend and we're like, let me show you how real I am. You still curated that for social media. So again, we are comparing our worst because we know us at our worst to someone else's best in the picture they painted for us. And that's not a fair comparison. So we got to let go of that idea that we are going to be perfect because our perfectionism is hurting us and it's hurting our family. All right, ladies, that's a lot. But what what do you see there? What feels like it fits? What feels like an aha moment? Dividing the household duties, but being specific about it so that it includes that anticipation. Because if you're just say, okay, well, it's your turn to do the towels or you decide together that someone is going to wash the towels. That also means anticipating when the towels need to be washed, how many towels you need in a week, who uses the most towels, and finding them wherever they may be. Yeah, like you don't just have this, you have to prep it. Like it's on you to know that we have laundry detergent. It's on you to know that we have fabric softener. It's on you to clean out the lint trap and make sure we don't burn our house down. Um, Because I think it's easy for us to be like, do the laundry and we don't put all the aspects into it. We're like, okay, you put it in, you took it out, you did the laundry. Yeah, there's a lot of other steps in there. Mm-hmm. And then we step back in and we take it back over, right? right? And then I was about to say, get out and then get out of the way. I think that goes right to letting go of perfectionism. Mm-hmm. I think it goes hand in hand with that because we all have a certain way that we want things done. And I go back to my statement earlier, you know, just because we have a certain way of doing it doesn't mean that they don't either you know they have a certain way that they want to do it and it may be their way maybe best for them to do it their way instead of us and us letting go if it's not done the way we want it to and in the time frame too yeah because there may be we may have a set schedule in our mind that things work but that may not be the best for that person but maybe even that is something talked about during the division is what would be a reasonable time frame for these things to be done 
Right. Yeah, I think that's part of that specific. And I always think about, I don't know, I always go back to that dishwasher. You know how there's always someone who's like, he didn't load the dishwasher the right way. So I had to take it out and start over. And I think that that is a good word picture of what we do. We tell them like, well, that, you did it, but you didn't do it my way. So I'm going to redo it for you. But at the end of the day, if the dishes are clean, does it really truly now it may hurt your soul (laughs) i'm not saying it won't but does it really truly matter how that was loaded in the dishwasher as long as the dishes are clean and put away and the way i'm kind of looking at the possible ways is i think they all correlate together Mm -hmm. so i don't know that i can pick specifically one but Mm -hmm. i think now that we've kind of talked about it and we're aware of, you know, each of our individual quirks or, or whatever we want to call them, we're going to say quirks, um, and just making sure that they all work together, just being clear about it, design, um, dividing it up. But also, I like the the making it visible, as in, like you were mentioning, like making it visible on the wall, making it visible mm-hmm. that your partner knows or, you know, whomever that you're communicating with. And then also just stepping back not pointing fingers i think it all correlates together mm-hmm. yeah and i think that's a great point uh, you know, when you make it visible like if i am the one who's carrying the mental load burden the other person in my household may have no clue whatsoever that that work even exists and so i could be over here carrying this anger that they're not helping me with something they don't even know i'm doing because more than likely we're doing it while they're at work while they're asleep while they're doing something else they have no idea that this is going on inside of our head and that, that we've like conjured up all of this worry all of this concern all of this to do list that no one assigned so definitely making it more visible can be important Um, and I think when we look at this it it goes back to almost everything we've discussed in this podcast and that's communication you know like at the end of the day um Anytime that we start seeing that internal frustration and that we see that we're, we're having issues in our social life, our physical life, our, all, all of those different aspects of our being, it goes back to, am I communicating? Am I being clear? Am, am I expressing my needs? And again, like we've discussed before, this is so key in showing our kids how to do this because we probably silently learned how to pick up mental load somewhere and I don't I don't think anybody taught it to us but I think we became aware of certain roles and certain things that that happened a a certain way in our family that were probably not really spoken or discussed but now that we're aware that we're doing it and we put a name to it and then we discuss it, then our kids will see how to do that. Like, okay, if I'm struggling with something, if I've if I've taken on too much, if I'm feeling overwhelmed and bogged down, then I can go to somebody and say, hey, I'm feeling overwhelmed. How can we take care of this so that I can be a better mom, a better wife, a better employee, a better friend, a better whatever hat I wear? I want to be better than this mental load better than this distraction of all of these things that i'm striving for perfection that doesn't exist that we assign to ourselves. that's mm-hmm. key i think mm-hmm. yeah we do we do it to ourselves, and that that's the big thing and that's why i think it's so important that we don't point the finger 
Because what is the point in me pointing a finger at my husband for something that I signed to myself that he doesn't even know I'm I'm doing? Mm-hmm. Like, but that's what we do. Just right. out of all of our emotion that builds up, we let that spill over and we take it out in a way that's that's not helpful to them or us because they don't know it exists. Now, once you say to them, hey, this is the issue I'm struggling with. I need some help. And you try and work on those ways. And then it, if you're then not heard and not helped and there's not communication then sure if you want to be angry then you have some frustration you do you but if the person doesn't know (laughs) that you've done this it's kind of hard to be like i'm mad at you for that thing you didn't know you did but i'm guilty of that so don't hear me say like we all do it like well i think it just builds up and it builds up and it builds up and you don't want to say anything because it's something that you're like it's it's little this one little thing but then there's several little things and it builds up and you get frustrated and then at some point you're going to let that frustration out so before it gets to that point have a sit down talk it out these are the things that I'm feeling I don't want it to get to this point you know also being self-aware about this now Mm -hmm. you know we're like I said earlier I didn't really know that that was the term of things that we've been doing you know, and now just being self-aware that I this is what I am doing, you know, and things that I can change mm-hmm. may not change overnight. But then communication, I can have commu- more better communication with my husband, my children, you know, and taking some of that um, mental load off of myself. Yeah, I think the, the awareness is just key. Like we know we're doing this. Um, we communicate it. We start dividing those tasks and then we let go of that perfectionism and we, we let everyone play their part. And we realize like me worrying about something does not change the outcome one bit. You know, I can worry all day long. That is not going to make things happen the way I want them to happen. Um, so it, it's really just a, a whole process for ourselves to say, OK, I'm aware this is what I'm doing. Is this helpful for me? And taking a step back and like, OK, how can I better spend my time? How can um, I better communicate to those around me and then step back and take back my life and, and stop carrying this second full time job with me everywhere I go? so that I can then focus on that self-care and those family relationships and those work relationships. And and again, I think the key of everything we talk about on Life Simplified is how do I simplify my life to become a better me, a better version of me in all the areas of my life. And I think that this is a great topic. I'm, I'm Thank you, ladies, for humoring me and discussing this. I think there's so many ways that we could go with this and we could dig deeper and probably talk about it for hours. And we probably will when we get off of here. So I'm sure there's a lot of behind the scenes things we will discuss. Um, But I just I think if you take nothing else from today, if you'll take the awareness of what mental load is um, and then just identify it, bring it to light you know, make it more visible, communicate about how we can make it better. Um, and then we just try to do our best and know that we we will have hiccups along the way. But if I know better, I can do better. And I think that's the goal of everything we do. So 
I thank you all for listening to us today. Um, as we wrap up, I want you to think about the things that we discussed today. Um, and as always, if you want to journal about it, discuss it with a loved one, I think that is great to kind of dig a little bit deeper for yourself. So just ask yourself, do you carry the mental load in your household? Does someone else? How can you begin communicating about this invisible job so that you can even the playing field? And take a look at these ways we discussed to lessen the mental load. What is a possible reasonable solution for you and your family around the mental load burden? Thanks for listening. This is Life Simplified. Thanks for listening to Life Simplified. We are family and consumer sciences agents with the University of Kentucky Cooperative Extension Service. Contact us at lifesimplifiedpodcast at gmail.com.